0: Amen. It is Sunday morning. We're in the Lord's house. Let's stand together, please. Take your hymnal, turn to page number one hundred and ninety-five, and let's sing out and give glory to the one that deserves it. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for. Where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of mine. Glory to his name. Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin. I am so well. Five, hymn number 55, and let's sing out on the first and last verses of At the Cross. Oh, ended by Savior, And ended by Sovereign.
0: Shake hands with those around you. Let them know you're glad to see them here in the Lord's house this morning. Church that puts the premium on the Word of God. David said of the Word of God that it was sweeter than honey to him and sweeter than the honeycomb. I'm so glad that we get the Word of God around here. Good to see you this morning. If you are visiting with us for the first time, I'd like you to raise your hand nice and high, please. Any first time visitors? Okay. Good to see each of you this morning. I do have a couple of announcements for you. Senior breakfast this coming Thursday at Eagle Lake Diner. So if you fit that age of 50 and wiser, thank you for telling me that. We'll put an update on Facebook. If we don't eat breakfast there, we'll get it somewhere, amen? Guarantee you that. Uh, so we'll we'll update you on Facebook on that if we're not going to be there. Uh, big day, we are not going to be closed on big day, amen? We're going to be open for business, and we're going to see a lot of folks saved, a lot of folks' lives change on November 6th. Next week, we'll have all the bundles of cards and invitations ready for you to hand out to all your friends, acquaintances, workers, and everybody that you see in the drive through at the places you go and get something to eat. So good to see you this morning. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 66.
1: Hymn number 66, please stand and join me in singing, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. There are things as we travel
2: Mickey, when I, when I get up to preach, I just soon not have anything on those screens at all. Just turn them off altogether. Do you hear me? Okay. <laughs> I don't need any competition. I have a hard enough time keeping your attention by myself. I, I don't need some something else, some other distraction. Pray for Bill and Joanne Rouse. They're um, attending the funeral service. Uh, the grandson that was killed in an accident uh, last week. Um, pray for our people that still are recovering from the damages of Ian. We will always hate that name from now on, won't we? Ian. Um, some of them still have power off. Most of us at some point did did have power off. Makes us uh, realize how dependent we are on electricity doesn't it yes. nowadays you can't do anything without electricity i was raised without it i mean we had kerosene lamps and a fireplace for heating that was that was it but um i, I i'm spoiled i guess you can i can't operate i can't function without electricity so i uh, thank the lord that um the damages were not more severe the people in the south Florida to pay for them you see the um pictures, the images of the things that uh, t- took place down there and what they're still uh, will be dealing with now for months and maybe even years ahead. So pray for him. Also uh, pray for Jeff Cruz. Um, he, uh, they found he has a mass on his um, pancreas. If he's having surgery for that, they don't know if it's cancerous until they do the surgery. But to remember him and pray, that's uh, Mickey's dad. Our sound man up there. So uh, remember these these prayer requests and pray for our services here today. Uh, Brother Arthur, would you lead us in prayer? Amen.
3: physicians tried in vain, but twelve long years of pain is proof that there is nothing they can do. But I just heard somebody say, there's a healing When my worlds are torn apart, I need healing for my heart. I really don't know how much more I can take. Trapped inside a cloud of disbelief and doubt, there only is one way.
4: to Jesus.
2: You open your bibles to the gospel of John chapter 8. John chapter 8. All right, let's begin reading in verse 21. John chapter 8, verse 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. How would you like to have that said to you from the lips of Jesus? You'll die in your sins. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe that uh, believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning." I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things." And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. In John uh, chapter 8, Jesus says these tragic words in verse 21. I go away and ye shall seek me and shall die In your sins. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And then again in verse 24, I said, therefore to you, that ye shall die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Three times, Jesus makes that tragic condemnation ye shall die in your sins. One time in the singular, in your sin and twice in the plural, your sins. You've all heard the expression, he has nobody to blame but himself. You've used it, I've used it myself. And while this axiom is true in many ways in the natural world, it is also true in the supernatural and spiritual world as well. When anyone dies in their sins, they have no one to blame but themselves. If a person dies in sin, to perish in an eternity of punishment, there is no one to blame but himself. Back in the first chapter of this gospel, as we were being introduced to its truth, the Holy Spirit recorded these words of Christ. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world Knew him not. I'd like for you to underline that phrase there, enlightens every man. It fascinates me that the Holy Spirit has said that that the true light, namely Christ, coming into the world, enlightens every man, every person. There's a sense in which every man who's ever lived on the face of the earth is responsible to some degree for the light that he has in Romans chapter 1 we're told that that the creation reveals certain things about God and then in chapter 2 of Romans it says that conscience our conscience also reveals certain things about God Paul uh, Paul said conscience actually excuses and accuses even the pagans. And all of these scriptures remind us that man has been given sufficient light, which if lived up to, will lead to further light and even the light of the knowledge of Christ. When I was born, I was born in a little little town, a little country town in Georgia, Ambrose, Georgia. I was actually not born in the town. I was actually born in a house out in the middle of a cotton field outside the town ambrose was a thriving metropolis of one general store a grits mill a service station and a small post office that made up the town of ambrose we lived uh, we lived there in ambrose till i was 7 years old we moved then moved to florida the first time we moved back to georgia again and then moved back uh and stayed then the second time but I I don't remember there being any church inside the town of Ambrose there were some churches outside we didn't have uh, an automobile we didn't have any way any way to get about except walking or horse and wagon and we didn't have a horse and wagon so we pretty much stayed home or close by um we never went to church. My, my mom and dad didn't go to church. We, uh, I had two sisters at the time. Uh, we never went to church. I don't recall ever being inside a church during those years. But I still had, even though there was no Bible in our house. Uh, my mom and dad never talked about the Word of God or ever talked about Jesus or church or anything. There was never any conversations like that at all. Nothing about what's right and what's wrong and this and that. But even as a, as a little boy, when I did wrong, I knew it. I knew it. Because the Bible teaches that that God's word is written in our heart, in our conscience. It's in our conscience. The law of God is written in our conscience. That's how that even a child Will know when he's done right or done right or wrong. That's why the Bible says there's no excuse for anybody. You talk, about, well, what about what about the savages in, in uh, other countries that have never heard? Uh, they still have been given some light, and they have rejected even what light, white light that they've been given. But everybody that's ever walked in the face of this earth. Has the law of God written in the heart? They know the difference between right and wrong without even being told. I knew as a child, even though I had never seen a Bible or never—I I, I might have heard the name of Jesus, but I don't recall it. But but I did know. I knew because my conscience told me when I did something wrong. So there, there is there is no excuse for a person being lost. When a person dies in his sins and goes to hell, he's he's getting what he deserves. He's getting what he deserves. The tragedy is that man does not live up to the light that he's been given. Man willfully refuses the light, And as John chapter 3 tells us, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because they're sinners. Their deeds are evil. As wonderful as it is for us to experience the love of Christ and the peace of Christ and the joy of salvation, uh, to know the hope of eternal life, it is equally tragic that there are many who flatly, overtly reject it. They refuse the light, choose their darkness the darkness because they love their sin. The amazing part of the passage that we've just, just noted, however, is that Jesus was not speaking to out and out wicked people. He was not speaking to the immoral riffraff of his society. He was speaking here to the religious leaders of that day. He was speaking to the experts in Old Testament Revelation. He was telling the most religious people on the face of the earth that they were going to die in their sins and never be able to come where he was going. Now, how did that happen? How is it that the people die in their sins? Unforgiven. How does that happen? To die unjustified, unconverted, unredeemed, and bound for everlasting hell. Well, there are, four, there are four attitudes in this passage that guarantee you will die in your sin. Four attitudes. I like it. Uh, one of the good things about expository sermons is that... Uh, everything's given right in that passage. So in this passage, I have picked out four reasons that people die in their sins and refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And number one, and this applies to everybody that's ever been born, number one, be self-righteous. The first step to dying in your sin is to be completely content with the condition you're in, to to feel that you have no need of a savior, you have no severe sin problem. You're a good person. You may even think you're better than average. And certainly, when when God scores on his in his book, you think you you think that you're going to have more good points than bad ones. You've heard me say in the past. Uh, I thought before I got saved, I thought that, that when I died one day I'd stand before God and all the good things I'd ever done in this life would be put on a scale. All the bad things I'd ever done would be put on the other side and whichever one outweighed the other would determine whether I went to heaven or whether I went to hell. I, I had the idea that because I was basically uh, a moral person good person I, I i didn't do a whole lot of bad things because my dad would have killed me and uh, so a lot of, I, I i did a lot of good things just out of fear but i i thought you know i believe that the good things i've done will outweigh the bad and and so uh, god let me go to heaven because of that but that's not the way it works that's not the way it, that's not the way it works That was exactly what these people that he was speaking to here, these leaders of Judaism, that's what they felt. They were self righteous. I I wonder how many people will die and go to hell because of the fact they think they're good enough to go to heaven. Just good enough. Self righteous. Certainly, when God, when uh, when when we face God, it's not going to be it's not going to be how many good things you did. It's going to be whether or not you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse twenty-one, Jesus said, "I go away, and you shall seek me, and die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come." He said, "We're going to be separated. We're going to be in different places." You're never going to be where I am because you're going to die in your sins. You're going to be, you're going to die unforgiven, unconverted, unjustified, unprepared to meet God. And what he's saying is very simple. Coming toward the end of his ministry and the end of his life, he's saying, <clears throat> I'm going to return to my Father in heaven. I'm going back to the glory of the presence of God. And there is no way unto God but by me. You reject me, and you'll never be in the presence of God. The eternal home of the Father, which is open to me, is closed to you. I think, and I still, after all these years reading the Bible, I still shudder when I read in Matthew chapter 4, when the people stand before the Lord, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know the crowd he's speaking to? It's those who have lived good lives, who have done good work, even some preachers. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If, that's a, if that, when you read that, if that doesn't make you examine yourself, then, then there's something wrong with you. Because you have you have some of the best people, you have church members, you have some of the best people that ever lived, Marley, and yet the Lord said, I never knew you. You never knew me, and I never knew you. Jesus said here in John in John chapter seven, verse thirty six, He said, You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am, you you cannot come. The Lord Jesus is announcing the doom of the unforgiven sinner. But what, what, as I said, is so interesting about this is that these were the religiously elite. These were the people who who fancied themselves in the know, who thought that they really really knew God. If you want to see how self-righteous they are, notice their response here to Jesus' statement. The response comes in verse 22. Therefore the Jews, and John uses that word, uh, or, or that phrase, the Jews he uses that of the religious Jews that, that's the way they, when, he, when you see that in the Gospel of John he's speaking of the Jewish leaders and listen to what they said they said surely he will not kill himself will he since he says where I'm going you cannot come why would they, why would they say why would they say that why would they say such a thing as this well, first of all, they knew that he was talking about death when he said, I'm, I'm going away, and you shall seek me. You shall die in your sins, and where I'm going, you cannot come. They knew he was talking about death. That was clear. But what they mocked, and they did mock, uh, was when they they brought up the issue of suicide. And let me tell you why. Orthodox Judaism views suicide suicide as utterly unthinkable in fact the Jews believed for centuries that anyone who committed suicide was literally and eternally relegated to the darkest part of the eternal pit of punishment that someone who committed suicide would go to the darkest part of eternity uh, Josephus the Jewish historian said that, and he also said that the Jews believed that a person who committed suicide would be separated forever from the place of comfort and peace known as Abraham's bosom. So what these self-righteous Jews are saying is this. Oh, so you're going to a place where we can't come. Then you must be going to to the darkest part of the pit because we're on our way to heaven. They reversed the whole thing. That's how smugly confident they were in their own self-righteousness. That the sinless, perfect, spotless Son of God, whose words they'd heard, whose works they had seen, whose character had impressed them, was to be jeered and mocked and blasphemed and treated sarcastically and assigned to the darkest pit when compared to what they deserved. You know the, the hardest people to lead to Christ are the self righteous, the self righteous, and even even a Christian who who has that self righteous attitude they're they're hard they're hard to talk to they're they're hard to really you know the the message the message no matter they can hear hundreds of messages and they think none of them fit them. You know, I have people come out, walk out of the service here a lot of times, some of you, and you say, boy, you really hit them today, preacher. You really got them. Self-righteous. Never, never, they actually never hear the message because they don't think it applies to them. Self-righteousness will lead you Straight to hell. So they stand there, already blinded to his works uh, and uh, deaf to his words, and now they ignore the warning. That they shall die in their sin with all the horror that that involves in an eternal hell, and they turn it into a mocking joke about Jesus committing suicide. And they so they they turn their their venom uh, toward the Lord Jesus. But they were so self-righteous. They didn't think that their sin was a problem. They didn't think they needed a savior. They thought they were all right. The Jews had developed a system of salvation by human achievement, keeping the law, keeping the law. And these were the epitome of of the achievers. But as Luke 16, 15 says, That which is highly esteemed in the sight of men is an abomination unto God. Isaiah says that even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, Romans 10 says, went about to establish their own righteousness. And they didn't realize that by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The way of a fool, says Proverbs, is right in his own eyes. But they were wrong, so it's very simple. If you want to die in your sin, just be self-righteous. Count on the religion of human achievement. Count on crediting your good works and your good deeds years ago I received a letter from someone that had visited our church and, uh, and in the letter there was a lot of other stuff but in the letter he said this I am, I am sick to my heart of the type of religion that insists that my soul and everyone else's needs saving whatever that means I have never felt that I was lost Nor do I feel that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitious preaching insists that I do. If in order to save my soul, I must accept such a philosophy as I recently heard preached by you, I prefer to remain forever damned. Well, that's his choice. That's his choice. When he wakes up in hell, he has nobody to blame but himself. So self-righteous that you think you don't need the Savior. The second point, how to die in your sin. Second, be worldly. Look at verse 23 again. Ye Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. Here's another guarantee that a person will die in his sins. Simply be a part of this world system. When you you see the word world used this way, it's not talking about the earth. It's talking about the world system. And who is the God of this world system? It is Satan. Satan is the God of this world. The God of this world, of this world system. Uh, the word the word that's used there is the word cosmos. It refers to the invisible spiritual system of evil that fights against the kingdom of God. The invisible spiritual system of evil. It's the cares of the world and the deceitful of riches referred to in Matthew chapter thirteen that, that choke out the seed, soak out the word, choke out the word of God. We use the term that way. I said we talk about the uh, system with the term, like we'll say uh, the world of politics, or or we'll say uh, the world of education, or the world of sports. And what we mean is the system that makes up those particular things. He says to him, "You are of this." world system. In fact, in Luke 16, verse 8, he says, You're children of of this world, this world system, as you are children of the devil. The world system is opposed to truth, it's opposed to righteousness, opposed to wholeness, to purity. See why why should we be surprised that America has gone to the dogs and I shouldn't say that that's kind of a slam against dogs isn't it? I think, I think the depravity of man is worse than anything any dog would ever do you see I can't compete with that everybody's listening to that whatever that was (laughs) but the uh, the world system is against everything that's Christian against Christians against church against God but the world will self-destruct it's a passing world remember the words the apostle John Love not the world, nor the things of the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world, the world system. And the world, he says, is passing away. Three things characterize it. The lust of the flesh, that's passion. Lust of the eyes that's covetousness the pride of life that's boastful arrogance that's the system if you love the system the love of the father is not in you and then there's a third be unbelieving look at verse 24 I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he you shall die in your sins if you don't put your faith in who I am, which embodies all of the all of the uh, person and work of Christ, He said, "You will die in your sins," and that's the crux of the whole thing here. the The way now, the way uh, to Christ, the way to heaven is open. The way to salvation is open. Uh, the Bible says, "Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." If you believe your, in your heart that God has raised from the dead, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. It is open; the way is open; it's available. Salvation is offered, but but the person who persists in unbelief, who will not believe that Jesus is God, will not believe that He is the Redeemer who came. To die on the cross for our sins, that He paid the price of our sins, that He rose again for our justification. One, the one who will not believe that, who will not embrace in faith all that He is and all He's done, will die in His sins. And when He says, "If you will not believe that I am He," he summing up the the fullness of all that He is. Remember. Jesus uh, said using a, a uh, term a, a name for God you know, he said I am that I am I am that I am and to believe that Jesus is the great I am is to believe that he is all that he claimed to be in John chapter 3 you remember the last verse verse 36 says he that believeth in the son hath eternal life But he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Just don't believe. That's all. You see, you're already condemned. You don't have to be condemned. You're already condemned. And so just don't believe. You want to die and go to hell? Just don't believe. That's all that's needed. And then last be willfully ignorant. It's unimaginable what what the response is to this conversation, verse 25. They were saying to him, who are you? Now of all the people on earth, they should have known who he was. The Old Testament pointing toward, toward him, the coming of the Lord Jesus. These were people who knew the Old Testament. They they were the religious leaders. They were the ones who taught the Old Testament. They should have known. You know, I've often I've often thought and often said that I believe that the the great sin of the scribes and Pharisees was it's not that they did not know who Jesus was. It was that they did know who he was, but they didn't want him. They didn't want the way that he came. I was talking to, when we were in Israel, talking to a, a Jew there. He called himself a, a secular Jew, but, but, uh, but he did believe that that Messiah was coming. He said, I believe that, uh, that our Messiah is coming. He said, uh, Jesus Christ was not our Messiah. Our Messiah is going to descend from heaven and he's going to set up his kingdom here on this earth. Your your Messiah came as a babe in a manger. That's not our Messiah. See, they, they know who Jesus claimed to be. They knew that he was the fulfillment of the promises about him. And yet they knowingly rejected they were willfully ignorant you know they had seen uh, they'd seen the Lord healing people and creating food to feed the mouths of thousands uh, of people they they had seen him walking on the water They they had heard and speak calm to the raging sea they they'd seen and heard all that they, they, But uh, if those that had not seen or heard it, they had been told about it. But many of them had seen this firsthand. They had heard his powerful words. They said, never man spake like this man. They'd heard of that. And yet they said, who are you? Who are you? And Jesus responds by saying in verse 25, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I've been telling you who I am. I've been telling you over and over who I am. It's not a secret. Early on, he said that the temple was my father's house. He said, you destroy me in three days, I'll rise again. He said to Nicodemus that he was the son of God. He said to the woman of the whale that he was the promised one, the savior. So it was clear the message had been given. They knew. In John chapter 5, he'd said that all judgment had been given from the Father to him, and that he would literally raise the dead, the just to the resurrection of life, and the unjust to the resurrection of damnation. It was obvious who he was. He'd said, I'm the light of the world. You follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. He'd said, I'm the water of life. Drink of me, and you'll never thirst again. He said, I'm the bread of life. You eat of me, you'll never hunger. So saying to them, I've said a lot to you, and you ought to know who I am. And now since you've come to the point where you don't know who I am, I have something more to say to you. And what I have to say to you is about judgment. So you move fairly rapidly from chapter 8, verse 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness See, there's an invitation. Now comes a condemnation. I have more to say to you, but it's about judgment, and I get it from God. You want to die in your sins? You want to die in your sins? Just be self righteous. Just think you're all right. You don't need Jesus. don't need the Savior. Just be unbelieving. Just go on. Just don't believe in the Lord. And, and to be willfully ignorant. You know, there, there's nobody under the sound of my voice, those that are listening, watching online, there's nobody after today that's going to be able to say, I did not know. Did not know. You have no excuse. There is no excuse. If you die in your sins, you will get what you deserve. But it doesn't have to be that way. The invitation is open as it was to them. It's open, it's open to you if you'll just if you'll just believe. I want you to stand, please, with your heads bowed. Now, Heavenly Father, if there are those in our midst this morning who are who are going to die in their sins, who are holding on to some false sense of good works, of human achievement, who are holding on to the world, or have deliberately refused to receive the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. I pray now that the Holy Spirit will urge them to come and be saved before it's too late. Jesus said, you can't come to me. You'll die in your sins unless you believe in him for salvation. And if there are those who are Christians that maybe, maybe need to come rededicate their life, maybe just need to come for prayer, and I pray that you'll help them to come. I pray, dear Lord, that, that no one will leave here today without Christ, without knowing that he's their Savior, or that Christians that would know, would not leave here today would not having their needs met. So bless the invitation now, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we sing a verse of invitation song, I invite you to come this morning. If God spoke into your heart, would you come as we sing?